You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The 4-1 Green Bay Packers are definitely beatable, and it feels rare that the Bears are in a position where they have some real advantages in the matchups outside of Aaron Rodgers under center for Green Bay. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm an analyst for Pro Football Focus, and I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter, at CoxSports1. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, at Locked On Bears. You can like Locked On Bears on Facebook. Join the Locked On Bears Facebook group for even more Bears talk. And make sure you click that subscribe button on the Locked On Bears YouTube channel to keep up with all of our video podcasts as well. On the show today, we're going to put together a game plan for how the Chicago Bears can upset the Green Bay Packers and tie then for first place in the NFC North with a win on Sunday. It's a tall task. It's easier said than done and much easier to sit here on paper and on a podcast and say, oh, here's how to do it. But the matchups are there. There are some real weaknesses in this Green Bay roster that the Bears can take advantage of. And Chicago has some spots where maybe they can try and clamp down a little bit on some of the Packers' strengths and find a way here to overcome all the might that Aaron Rodgers is going to offer you at the other quarterback position by, by taking advantage of some of the other areas they're not nearly as strong. I want to start in particular with the Bears' defense against this Packers' offense because that to me is where I'm, I'm most interested. Of course, it, it all sort of revolves around Aaron Rodgers. You, you can't fully contain him. You just have to slow him down enough and sort of force the other Packers players to have to be more of the, the workhorse there because that entire offense rolls through Devontae Adams. I mean, he's the NFL's leading receiver. He's getting an absurd amount of targets. We talked about that on yesterday's Crossover Thursday podcast with Peter Bukowski from Locked on Packers. He is their go-to guy, and that's been um, almost one-dimensional, but it hasn't been so one-dimensional that it, it hurts them. And so if I'm the Bears, I'm putting Jalen Johnson on Devontae Adams as much as possible. And we saw a, a similar game plan to this against Cleveland in week, was that week three, where for the first time in his career, Jalen Johnson was in shadow coverage on Odell Beckham in that game. And Beckham got a few catches, and they kind of had a back and forth. There were some plays that Jalen Johnson won and some plays that Beckham won. And it was a legitimate battle between two very good, talented players at their respective positions. I'm looking to do something similar in this game. Now, when they did it with Beckham, Johnson would not follow him into the slot. So Johnson would, if he would go left versus right side on the outside. But when, when Adams, or excuse me, when Beckham went into the slot... He, the, the Bears were still having to put linebackers, safeties, and slot cornerbacks in there and still leaving Johnson on the outside. So you're not following him in man coverage literally everywhere, but you know, you're trying to dictate that matchup a little bit more. And the Packers are going to put Devontae Adams in the slot some. There's about two-thirds on the outside, one-third in the slot is about the split that you see in the Packers' offense or him, and that's where they're going to try and find some plus matchups. And, and Johnson can't be there for him every single play. But I want to have a player over top of Devontae Adams as much as possible throughout this game. I want as many two deep safety coverages, which is what Sean Desai, the Bears defensive coordinator, wants to do anyway. Have multiple safeties back there, nothing over the top, nothing easy deep for Aaron Rodgers. You can't allow those explosive plays to the Packers because then it just opens everything up for them. You know, Rodgers is good enough where he's still going to fire in some of these tight window throws, but I would rather 
have that precision underneath for five yards than deep for 35 yards. And so that's where I'm trying to just blanket everything over the top as much as possible. Concede that maybe he'll find some room underneath, but trust that your defense can step up and make some of those stops, maybe get a sack, maybe get a turnover here and there, and your offense then can keep up enough on the other side to to make it a winning formula because you're not going to stop Rodgers from completing a lot of passes and making some really impressive plays. But you know, I, I'm trying to do as much too deep coverage as possible while still mixing it up and having some variation, right? So you're going to, you're going to do some cover two, some cover four, some cover six. We talked earlier this week about the, the Vic Fangio variations of cover eight and cover nine. We got really in depth in some scheme school with our friend coach Vass, helping us understand some of the different checks and, and reads that the bears build into those pattern match zone coverages Really complicated stuff in this Bears defense. You mix that in. You don't want Rodgers to be able to predict every time what your defense is going to be, but you can still have a deep shell over top to kind of protect it. And when you have some of those split coverages where the left half of the field is different than the right half of the field, it becomes harder for the quarterback to read that and fully have a cerebral understanding of what defense he's facing each and every time. And, and all of a sudden, maybe you can get your, a one or two mistakes here and there. That means taking more defenders out of the box and keeping more guys deep. And I'm perfectly okay with that. I'm, I'm going to trust this Bears defensive line and linebackers to be able to stop the run without having a, a lot of extra beef in there. Because, honestly, I want the Packers to run the ball. If you're going to take the ball out of Aaron Rodgers' hands, Aaron Jones is very good. A.J. Dillon is having a good season. I mean, they've got, they've got good backs. But if I had to pick my poison between Rodgers throwing against me or the Packers running the ball against me, I'm taking the ball out of Rodgers' hands every time, and I'm happy to set them up to do that too. Because, I just again, I don't think they can win a game consistently by relying on that over their their Hall of Fame quarterback. So for me, a lot of this is going to then come down to tackling. This Bears defense has to tackle more consistently. Too often we see players come over and try and hit, right? They're trying to lower the shoulder or the side, like into somebody to try and give them, you know, the hit stick if you're playing Madden. But too often we'll see them do the hit and the guy doesn't go down and they stay up and they keep going. They take the hit. You do hit them, but just wrap them up and bring them down to the ground because you don't, you want the Packers to throw short, and you don't want to then give them those extra yards after the catch because that's where they're going to start taking that three-yard completion and turning it into eight and nine, and then you're not ahead of the sticks anymore, and they're able to move the ball a little bit more effectively, and you're not getting as much of that benefit of taking away the deep shot if they're creating those extra yards after plays because you can't tackle. Same thing in the running game too, right? If you're meeting them at the line of scrimmage, bring them down at the line of scrimmage. Don't let them get the extra three, four yards after contact there. If you can tackle and keep plays in front of you, that's the formula for this Bears defensive success. Much easier said than done against Aaron Rodgers and, and a, an otherwise talented Packers offense. But I think, especially in this matchup, when you've got the quarterback play that the Bears are going to be facing and a receiver as dynamic as Devontae Adams, you got to be able to tackle when you do force them to throw it short and you got to keep everything in front of you in that same way. It's what other teams have done to Aaron Rodgers so far this season. They have forced them to pass a little bit shorter. It's, it's, not, a, it's not a panacea, right? It's not a silver bullet. It doesn't instantly equate victory. They've won four in a row, right? It doesn't, it's not like there's a magic formula to stopping Aaron Rodgers, but I think it's the spot that puts your defense in the best position to be successful. Once you add in the Khalil Mack, Robert Quinn pass rush, making things more difficult, and then, of course, your offense has to hold up its end of the bargain, which some of the Packers opponents haven't quite had enough success in those departments either. But we'll look at what needs to happen for Justin Fields and this Bears running game as well to keep things rolling and get enough points to outscore Rodgers and the Packers next on Locked On Bears. The betting line for this matchup has moved ever so slightly since the start of the week. I've got the Bears now plus four 
at betonline.ag, the number one sports book we trust and the number one place we recommend for all of your sports betting needs. It's been kind of shifting. It was four and a half. It moved to five. It moved back to four. And it's kind of been hovering around that range. So you got to get in your bets where that number is that you like. It's again, Bears plus four. We got a money line of Bears plus 198 straight up for the win versus the loss. And the over-under set at 44 and a half. Telling you, betonline.ag is the place to get your bets in. Sign up today for a free account and enter our promo code locked on to receive your free 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. They're literally giving you more free money to play with at betonline.ag where the game starts. The game starts for me with this Bears offense developing and sticking to this offensive identity that we've seen over the last couple of weeks. You don't want to compromise that in this game. I don't think this is a matchup where I I feel compelled to need to change things up drastically, right? I don't think this Packers defense is top-notch. They're not a a terrible defense by any means, but it's not like, oh, this is a matchup where you got to throw out the plan from last week and come up with something brand new to attack these guys because they're just so good. No, you, you want to stick to being a physical team up front and stick to the ground game. However, and there, there's a but here, I, the Packers' secondary, and particularly their cornerback spot, is is so injured at this point and, and was lacking in some depth from the beginning that I think there should be some opportunities to open the passing game up a little bit more. And, I, and in that sense, I'm a little bit, and I'm glad it's still Bill Lazor calling the plays because I could see Nagy being quicker to abandon the running game in a matchup like this. And I'm curious to see if Bill is more willing to stick with it a little bit more as the play caller because I think you have some plus matchups on the back end that we'll, we'll get into some specific matchups later on in the podcast as far as the, the matchups that are going to decide this game, the X factors, the places, the, the one-on-ones that are really going to be important in this matchup. But when you have... Injured and weaker cornerbacks on the back end, plus a pass rush that is is good, but not elite. This is not Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney. And I, I even thought, you know, the Raiders' edge rushers are a little bit more consistent that we saw last week than what the Packers' edge rushers are now because Zadarius Smith is also injured. And that and injuries are playing a factor here in terms of my criticisms of the Packers' defense. It's not that if fully healthy, it would be a different conversation, I guess is the point. that they're, But they're missing their top pass rusher, their top potentially two cornerbacks in this game, that changes things a little bit for, not that I'm going to, again, get away from my offensive identity by any means, but I do want to work in a few more of those those deep shots, right? You want to you wanna keep things fresh, right? You don't want to be stale. You don't want to run, run, pass, right? You don't want to, we're not trying to get that boring and, and that rudimentary in terms of offense. you got to mix in some different types of runs, perhaps some slightly different formations, but you st- the variety is part of the spice and part of what makes it difficult for opposing defenses then to key in on what exactly you want to do. But I'm still, I still am going to want, you know, two, three tight ends, sometimes a fullback and, and, you know, running play action then off of those concepts to where it still looks the same for the defense and the run play still looks the same, whether you're giving it to the running back or pulling it and throwing it on the play action. But I think this Packers defense is better in run defense than than I think they're getting some credit for. They've done a really good job, I thought, this season. At, at, I don't want to say shutting down running backs, but keeping them contained, not letting them really fully dictate 
the opposing offense, right? Other teams, like Bengals with Joe Mixon, they want to run the ball. They don't want noodle-arm Joe Burrow or weak-arm Joe Burrow, whatever you want to call him. I mean, they're just, it's fun to it's fun to rag on Joe Burrow because it, it's, it's become like a football Twitter meme of like, yeah, Joe Burrow's got a weak arm. But he was able to throw them into that game quite a bit. But they want to run the ball more with Joe Mixon, right? Same thing with the Bears, right? The Bears are going to want to run the ball. And the Packers did a good job against the Bengals of keeping that in check. He was still able to get, you know, his, his four-ish yards per carry, but it wasn't, you know, he wasn't breaking those bigger runs, and they were making making him earn a lot of those yards very difficult. So that's that's what I'm expecting a little bit more of in this game. Right? When I look at this Packers front seven, I think Kenny Clark in the middle is a great defensive lineman. We heard yesterday from Peter Bukowski that linebacker Devondre Campbell has been a pleasant surprise for them, playing at a higher level than I think any of us expected. But one good in t- one good defensive lineman and one decent linebacker is not stopping me from running the ball up the middle. Right? I want to be physical and, and downhill. They're strong on the edges with Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary. And so that's why I want two and three tight ends, and sometimes it's Alex Bars, the backup offensive lineman at tight end. I want them on the edges to help with the edges, right? the offensive edges versus the defensive edges. That, that's where I would like to get in some more of those two, two and three tight end sets to try and keep the running game going a little bit with some double teams on those edges to get Khalil Herbert to the outside or let him make that cut back and go downhill because I'm really excited to see more of his uh, slightly more explosive running. Like Damian Williams runs hard and it's part of the rotation and I want both of them in there, but especially Herbert in this one. I'm curious if we're going to get to see a, a slightly more elevated role given how things played out in the second half of last week's game. So I think then... Knowing, knowing that the Packers are going to be maybe a better run defense than we we're expecting, but that those cornerbacks are going to be weaker, I want more built-in max protection shot plays. That means leaving two or three extra blockers in with your offensive line, you know, a running back and two tight ends, or, two, or just two tight ends, or a running back and a tight end, or just a running back, right? Six and seven man protections, play action, give Justin Fields time to let plays develop downfield because I'm going to trust more often than not that that the Bears wide receivers, not that they're the deepest, most talented group in the NFL, but that's clearly a positional advantage for Chicago in this game because almost, not almost purely because of the injuries to Green Bay. And we'll get into some of the specific names and matchups in particular in a little bit here. But it just didn't seem like last week against, against the Raiders, the Bears didn't go to as much of that. And I think in part because... They were able to move the ball successfully early enough in this game and get to a lead to where then in the third quarter they could they kind of took the foot off the gas a little bit too much in my opinion but they were just running the ball and they weren't they didn't have to go explosive right they didn't have to go over the top and so it was just more of a luxury to not need to but in this game I want more of that I want to open things up I want those those longer developing deep shots not the three step drop fade where you know he flew like Fields floated one up to Cole Komet early in the last game and there's been a couple of those where it's almost just like pre-designed, you're just going to throw up a 50-50 ball on a quicker play just to throw something downfield. But I want the plays we saw against the Lions where he takes a second, lets the play develop, steps into a 40-yard throw downfield, and it's not just a predetermined shot, but there's a read and there's a route concept that will open things up, you know, like a sail to that side or a dagger, you know, something something that with an in or out breaking route and a vertical receiver to kind of take things off over the top. There should be those opportunities against these Packers cornerbacks, and I think you're going to need some more of those explosive plays in the passing game to make up for a running game that might not be as smooth as it was against the Raiders and the Lions, and then to also keep up with Aaron Rodgers, right? That's the other aspect here. Is I don't know that you're going to be able to sit there and win a, a 14-10 ball game. Not that you want to get into a shootout by any means, but it might take a few touchdowns and a few field goals, and you might end up having to rely on Justin Fields to carry the load a little bit more in this game. But the the overall, you know, the missing the missing cornerbacks and the missing edge rusher should give 
receivers some opportunities to get open, and fields some time to be able to throw. It's easier said than done. Again, this is all sort of on paper. The potential matchups are there, but I just think you want those explosive plays while still taking care of the ball because the margin of error is going to be a lot smaller against Green Bay. And if you turn, not that fields is, is turnover prone in any way, shape, or form, but you don't necessarily want to force things either if you can avoid it because a potential turnover can be enough to where the Bears don't have that margin of error in this game and really sort of put things on their head a little bit more. But a turnover from the Bears defense, again, can also go a long way toward trying to make things easier on Justin Fields and and make sure that he's not pressing too hard and he's not feeling like he has to be the hero and make the big play in in the big moment to really save this game. And then maybe he does force something and try something a little bit too much. This is going to be a great test for field. As much as the Browns were a great test, you know, the Lions were a little bit easier. As it turned out, the Raiders had a lot going on and they were a little bit easier, but this duel versus Aaron Rodgers is going to be a nice rookie benchmark. He doesn't need to outduel Aaron Rodgers. This is his fourth start, right? This is six games into his NFL career. Absolutely. He's not expected to go blow for blow with Rodgers, but it'll be a good measurement. It's like a boss battle early in his career, and I'm excited to see how it's going to go. It's, it's going to be all about getting him some advantages in these one-on-one matchups. We'll go through the the spots on both sides of the ball that are going to decide this game next on Locked On Bears. I just placed my reorder of the world's best-tasting protein bars, Built Bars. And I've I've tried pretty much every Built Bar flavor, but every once in a while they put out a new one, and I'm excited. I haven't tried their chocolate-covered pretzel flavor. So that that flavor is on its way to me, as long with a banana cream pie Built Puffs. I mean, they've got so many different delicious options here, and they're all really actually good for you. I mean, they taste like candy bars, but they're all low-sugar, Low calories, high fiber, and most importantly, high protein. So I'm getting 17 grams of protein for only four or five grams of sugar and 140 calories in a candy bar. I mean, it's unreal how good they taste. You don't get any of that like chalky kind of just like almost like dry, weird proteiny, protein powdery taste, right? No, it's it's a soft, easy to chew bar that's covered in 100% real chocolate. You can't find anything else this delicious and this good for you anywhere in the protein bar market. Got to try it for yourself. Head on over to BuiltBar.com and enter our promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. I'm really curious to see how the Bears choose to attack this Packers secondary because you know, they've got the first-round rookie cornerback, Eric Stokes, who's who showed some nice things for a rookie cornerback. But I think we saw the last couple of weeks a little bit more vulnerability against some faster receivers. And I think anecdotally it felt like it was a little bit more breaking toward the inside of the field. And so I, I really like the idea of putting Darnell Mooney against the rookie cornerback just because Mooney's got a little bit more of the speed from than compared to Allen Robinson. And, and Stokes is a little bit of a bigger cornerback anyway that I think – physically matches up a little bit better. So the Stokes ran a fast 40, right? He's not a slow cornerback by any way, shape, or form. Don't get me wrong there. It's not, that's not the evaluation here. But I do think when we saw Jamar Chase for the Bengals have some success against him, and then even Deontay Johnson of the Steelers in a more of a quick passing thing, and it's just right out of his breaks, good timing to sort of beat Stokes being maybe a little bit late here and there on some of those breaks from the receivers. Again, felt to me a little bit more like in breaking routes, but that's not statistically it's more just like anecdotally what I, what I felt like I was seeing on tape but I think when you see those in breaking routes it's it's the cornerback some a rookie cornerback still getting used to NFL speed but then also still getting used to a little bit to 
where his help coverage is. Not It's not about knowing where the help is, but that feel for how much space is in between me and the safety. And then in this coverage, I know the safety has, you know, this half of the field or this this zone or this middle of the field, and I'm 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 on the hashes or I'm on the numbers here and he's on the hashes and okay, against this wide receiver, how long will it take for this receiver on this route to get to that safety to where it's his responsibility and no longer mine? You know, when do I pass that off? How long do I hold on to it before I pass it off to my teammate, right? It's these like minuscule split second decisions and it's this feel, right? It's not really measured. It's a feel of like, how fast is my safety? How fast am I? How fast is this receiver? And what angle is he taking from my place to my help's place? And so if you can hit that timing in that decision right there, you know what I mean? Right in that processing moment and get the ball out right when it needs to, right when the receiver's making that break, that's where I think we've seen some of Stokes struggling. It's just a rookie cornerback thing where you're just still getting used to it. You're still getting used to how fast each receiver goes. You're still getting used to how fast your, your safety works or your linebacker or your slot cornerback or whatever coverage defenders you're working with. You have to process that all instantly and just react. You're not thinking about it. You're just feeling it. And sometimes it, can t- well, it takes time for that feeling and that sort of that, that idea of being savvy veteran, right? That's, that's sort of what it comes to, these intangible type feelings of how you pass players off in coverage that I think you can find some some opportunity there versus Eric Stokes. And then presumably if Kevin King is unable to go as expected, he's still recovering from an injury. It's probably going to be Isaac Yadam coming for starting on the on the opposite side. And I'll take Allen Robinson in that matchup. I mean, Yadam's not a I mean he's been a starter. He's with bounced around with the Giants and some other teams. He's okay. I mean, he's a backup. He's their backup for a reason, right? He's they're coming off the bench, and he's like cornerback four is going to be starting for them. So, I'll take the the veteran Allen Robinson and some of those with his route running and his catch radius and being able to go up those contested catches. Absolutely, those are both plus matchups for me. I mean, Robinson's got an ankle injury of his own, and so keeping an eye on that and wonder if that'll take away any of his you know explosiveness in and out of his breaks and how that affects his route running in any way. Definitely keeping an eye there. It's not the Packers are not the only ones with the injuries, but I like those matchups for the Bears' offense to get something a little bit more going in the passing game, again, without sacrificing that offensive identity of physical running. Because the Packers, you know, I, I don't want to just overlook their front. You know, somebody like Kenny Clark is going to be a problem. I, I feel a little bit better about Clark versus the three interior guys of the Bears, although I, do want, I don't want him and Sam Mustafer one-on-one. I always want one of the guards helping Sam Mustafer at Kenny Clark. But that's a little bit of an easier protection. It's a little bit of an easier call, I guess. You know, it's not it's not complicated to keep two guys on Kenny Clark when you got the guards and the centers in there. It's not to, to take anything away from Kenny Clark. He can still do damage against double teams. He's not Aaron Donald level that we saw from you know the Rams in week one where you, he can wreck your whole game plan necessarily, but he's very good and you have to pay attention. You know, think like Akeem Hicks in his prime level. Like, yeah, you've really got to pay attention there because otherwise he could sneak up on you and do a lot of damage. But when I look, I, I'm a little bit more worried just in general about the Bears' offensive tackles versus Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary. It helps a lot that they're, they're missing Zadarius Smith, who I think is the best of the group, but Gary's been, very, very I think, the more dangerous one compared to Preston this season, and I, and especially if you've got Elijah Wilkinson as a backup right tackle in for Jermaine Effetti on injured reserve. Not that Effetti was great, but you know, you're never, we're not quite sure what we're going to get from Wilkinson. He played well last week, coming in a small sample size off the bench, but new matchup. New game plan, and you never know exactly what you're going to get. So I want, again, I want more of the tight ends in there to help out on these edge rushers. It seemed to work last week against the Raiders, against Yannick Ngakwe and Carl Nassib and, and Max Crosby. The Bears kept them under wraps, right? Didn't shut them down completely. There was still pressure on Justin Fields, but it seems like 
under laser, they they found ways to help these offensive tackles more than we saw against Cleveland. So I'm I'm tentatively feeling okay about the ability then to give Field some time to throw against weaker cornerbacks. Not that it's going to be easy, not that he's always going to have clean pockets and there's going to be no pass rush, but those max protections and adding some extra blockers in there, some play action, giving him some time to throw, maybe moving the pockets a little bit too. There should be, on paper, should be some ways to scheme that up for the Bears offense. Defensively, we already talked about Jalen Johnson versus Devontae Adams. I'm not so worried then about you know, the Packers' other wide receivers against the Bears' other cornerbacks. I mean, Randall Cobb will do some damage in the slot against Duke Shelley, sure, but then it's like Alan Lazard, Amari Rodgers, they're, they're fine, but they haven't really been focal points of this Packers' offense, and not that I'm super thrilled about Kendall Vildor and Duke Shelley, but I'm not as worried about them as I am about just keeping wraps on Devontae Adams through and through, so then the rest of me comes down to the trenches again. I mean, it's about getting some pressure on Aaron Rodgers in the same way that it was about getting pressure on Derek Carr last week. Packers have had some injuries up front. So far, they've gotten encouraging injury news in that regard. We kind of got an update yesterday from Peter Bukowski from Lockdown Packers on the Crossover Podcast. Sounds like Elton Jenkins is probably going to return from his ankle injury, sliding in at left guard, left tackle. When he's 100%, he's been playing very well, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind trying to test that ankle a little bit. Robert Quinn bends some of those corners on that side and just see just how healthy he's feeling in those games. And Kulamak's not 100% either, going up against the right tackle on the right side, Dennis Kelly, who's been, I think, better in pass protection than, than run blocking, but he's, I think, an average offensive tackle over there as well. So those should be potential advantage matchups for the for the Bears. And even on their interior, right, their, their center is a rookie, Josh Myers. He's injured. It's more of a finger thing, so we'll see what kind of hand strength he might have against, you know, Mario Edwards potentially in there. I don't know if Akeem Hicks is going to be healthy or not. It sounds like Probably not at this point, but I'd like to challenge the rookie center's protections at the line of scrimmage. More of Sean Desai showing you some different looks with Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn on the same side. Or, you know, the linebackers mugging the A-gaps, right, over the center and maybe bailing out. Or Eddie Jackson coming down. Or a slot cornerback showing a blitz, right? Show some different things. You don't have to blitz, but make sure you're bringing guys from different directions and keeping that center guessing. And then the weak link for me on this Packers offensive line that I see is the right guard. Rookie fourth-round pick Royce Newman. Again, Mario Edwards, or if Akeem Hicks were healthy, you know, Bilal Nichols get him in there. I think there are matchups where the Bears front and the pass rush should be better than the Packers offensive line, should then be able to get pressure on Aaron Rodgers. That's not always enough to beat Aaron Rodgers. It's, you know, as much as, as much as you can try and clamp down on Devontae Adams and get pressure on the quarterback, he makes plays. And I know he's not, he's not the same Aaron Rodgers fully. He's made more mistakes this season. There's, there's, there should be opportunities for the Bears' defense. And that's why you feel like you can put together a game plan here that you feel pretty good about. You feel like you can, you can get enough plus matchups and clamp down on some of the Packers' strengths in enough places to where, like, Justin Fields is talented enough to win this game, right? If you can run the ball and get some of those shots in and your defense can get pressure on Rodgers and kind of keep things from exploding on that end, there's a formula here. Again, easier said than done. I'm not ready to predict a Bears victory. Rodgers is still Aaron Rodgers, and Fields is still a rookie, and the defense will throw some things at him, and, and the, the Packers defense will throw some things at Fields that he might not be ready for, and I think this Packers offense is still going to be able to move the ball fairly well against this Bears defense. So then it's, it's red zone execution again, eliminating or trying to prevent any sort of big explosive plays, make the Packers earn those yards, and make the Packers kick field goals. <laughs> Mason Crosby missed, what, an extra point in three field goals last week, two or three field goals before he finally hit the the game winner in overtime for the Packers, make them hit those field goals because they're not, they haven't been doing them all that consistently lately. So the Bears might have a special teams advantage, at least at the kicker position. And that's a, a good feeling to have. So 
I think it's going to be a really fun Bears-Packers matchup. I think these two teams are more evenly matched than their record suggests, but I'm still going to give the Packers the, the advantage at the most important position, quarterback, which always makes it a, a little bit tough. But I'm really excited to break this game down for you after it's done next week on Monday's podcast. So make sure you come back. Make sure you subscribe to the Lockdown Bears podcast to keep up with all of our daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. We're free and available on all platforms, so I appreciate everyone who's listening wherever you're listening or watching along on the YouTube channel. It's been great seeing all the different comments and conversations that spawn off in the comment section on the YouTube videos. All the likes, all the feedback have been very, very helpful, and just it's it's fun to see. It's fun to have like a little bit of a community around the podcast in the Facebook group and in the YouTube comments and kind of keeping that Bears talk going, even even when the 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 podcast timer hits zero or I guess hits full time here. We can always have more conversation and keep the Bears talk flowing. And I think all in all, it just makes it that much easier to bear down. <laughs>